pray with me, please. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. One year at Christmas time, a friend of mine decided that he was going to try to make that Christmas a specially meaningful faith experience for his children. And so he got the idea three weeks before Christmas to go out and purchase a large manger scene for his children. He was certain that the figures in that manger scene were large and unbreakable and inexpensive so that the children would be encouraged to play with the figures to their heart's content and to enjoy moving them and arranging them as they wished. Well, it worked like a charm. The children spent hours playing with those figures and talking about them. Finally, a couple of weeks later, there came the acid test. This father went in and sat down with his children around that manger scene, and he said to them, Now, I want you to tell me about each one of the figures in this nativity scene. With great excitement, the children began to point to and to speak about the shepherds, the wise men, the barnyard animals, the desert camels, the angel, Mary, the baby Jesus. When they'd finished, the father said, well, now that's wonderful, but don't you think that you've forgotten someone? Who is this man standing right next to Mary? Dead silence. After a few moments, the five-year-old piped up. Oh, I remember now. That's old Joe What's-His-Name. Well, inadvertently, those children put their finger on a fascinating phenomenon of Christmas, namely the way we think, or better, the way we don't think about Joseph. Joseph is, as I like to say it, the forgotten man of Christmas. It's understandable, I suppose, you see, in the gospel account, Joseph is silent. Joseph is spoken to. Joseph is spoken about. But never a single syllable crosses Joseph's lips. He never says a word. And as a result, we do tend to regard Joseph as a kind of bit player a kind of extra, as it were, in the drama of the first Christmas. And as a result of that, the fact of the matter is that unconsciously, I think unintentionally, we push him to the background and forget all about him. Today, however, I wish to bring Joseph front and center to the place I believe he deserves in the Christmas story. You see, while Joseph never spoke a word in Scripture, what Joseph did in Scripture speaks volumes for Joseph's faith and foresight, his courage and compassion, his strength and sensitivity, 
his devotion and determination, his unwavering obedience to the will of God, all of this speaks eloquently to us of our Christian thought and our Christian lifestyle far beyond what we have tended to be willing to acknowledge. I want us to remember, please, that that first Christmas was not a time of sweetness and light. It was a time of storm and darkness. It was a time of testing and trial. It was a time of trouble and tragedy. Uh, we have so romanticized the story uh, that it has managed to lose, for us at least, its bare, brutal impact. But the fact of the matter is, that bare, brutal impact is what Joseph had to face. I mean, here he was, just an ordinary working man who suddenly found himself swept up in a swirling confluence of events and circumstances over which he had no control. Events and circumstances which, apart from God, might have destroyed him. He had to face terrible emotional stress. How to deal with the potentially disastrous consequences of an unexpected pregnancy. He had to deal with terrifying physical challenges. How to escape the vast military machine unleashed by a jealous king determined to snuff out the life of Joseph's infant son. All of that Joseph had to face. And yet what I want you to see is that his faith and his strength enabled him to be sustained in the midst of all of that and ultimately to see him through it all. That is why I believe Joseph ought to be regarded as something more than just a bit player in the Christmas drama. Instead, I believe that Joseph ought to be seen as a star on the Christmas stage. Well, you see, I happen to believe that the way Joseph combined both toughness and tenderness in his own life can provide a very powerful lesson for us in the living of our lives. Joseph was tough, tough enough to make tough decisions, tough enough to face tough enemies, tough enough to obey God's will, even when it cost him something, even when it cost him dearly. Joseph was tough. We see that right from the very moment we are introduced to him on the pages of the Bible. For the very first thing that we see is that Joseph was having to face the fact that Mary was suddenly with child. And the Bible says of Joseph at that point, it says he considered this. Now, don't let those English words fool you. I mean, when it says he considered this, that sounds so simple and so quick and so easy. It's a poor translation of the original language. No, what the original language says is that Joseph agonized. He grieved. He deliberated. He wrestled. He grappled. He struggled. And he prayed and prayed 
and prayed. Do you see the picture that emerges there? Joseph was tough enough to face a tough situation head on. And out of his own struggle, there came the answer of God. So let me then ask you, what do you do when you face the tough times in life? Do you run away or lash out or feel sorry for yourself? Or do you, like Joseph, face those tough times head on and wrestle and struggle and fight your way through them? I remember reading not long ago about a politician who delivered a rousing and powerful speech to a crowd of prospective voters. He ended the speech in a dramatic way, and then he delivered this final line. Now, on Tuesday, I want you to go to the polls and vote for me. Whereupon a heckler in the audience immediately shot back, I wouldn't vote for you if you were St. Peter. Quick as a flash, the politician responded, if I were St. Peter, you wouldn't be in my district. <laughs> oh, oh, I wish I were that quick in responding to the problems and the challenges that come my way in life. Alas, I'm not. I have to go down so many hard painful roads, searching hard for answers which sometimes are hard to come by. When I face the tough times in life, I need all the help I can get to stand strong and tough in the face of those tough times. I remember reading words written by Dr. J.A. Hadfield. He was a noted British psychologist. He wrote, listen carefully, he wrote, when four people run up against tough times in life and they are too much for them, one swears, one gets a headache, one gets drunk, and one prays. Isn't that true? Isn't that the way human beings respond to the tough times in life? One of those four ways so how is it with you when you run slap up against those tough times in your life? How do you respond? Do you swear? Lash out in hostility? Do you run away? Cave into bitterness? Do you try to find someone else to blame? Do you try to lose yourself in drugs or alcohol? Or... Do you pray? Do you pray? That's what we are told Joseph did. And it is when we, like Joseph, turn to God in the midst of the tough times in life that God then gives us the toughness we need in order to face those tough times when they come. Look at Joseph. Ha! Joseph was tough. And Joseph was tender. We see his tenderness in the way he dealt so lovingly and so sensitively with Mary. I think even more. We see his tenderness in the way he must have dealt with his son, Jesus. Remember, please, 
Don't miss this. Remember, when Jesus grew up, he called God Father. When Jesus wanted to say the best and the highest thing that he could say about God, he said, God is like a loving, understanding Father. Is it not reasonable to assume that what Jesus knew about being a father, he learned from Joseph? Reach back into your own mind and recall the cliches. A twig grows in the direction it is bent. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Those words remind us of the kind of relationship which must have existed between Joseph and his son, Jesus. And there was something about that relationship which later on led Jesus to say, God is like a loving, understanding Father. I want you for just a moment to open up your mind and your heart and let us for just a moment try to imagine how it must have been. Joseph in his carpentry shop. Jesus as a little boy would come crowding into that workshop and whenever he did, Joseph would stop what he was doing and he would spend a while talking a spell with the little boy, talking about anything the little boy wanted to talk about. Or sometimes Joseph would just pick up this little boy and, and very gently and playfully roll him about in the piles of soft sawdust until the bits of wood mingled with his dark Jewish curls. Was it that ready access to Joseph's shop and Joseph's attention which led Jesus later on to say, Never prohibit a child from coming to me. Joseph would take his young son and they would go out for long walks on the hills around the little town of Nazareth where they lived. Occasionally they would stop and pick a handful of wild flowers to take home to Mary. Was it then that the seed was planted in Jesus' mind, which later on he would express in words, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Joseph, as he would walk, so many times would drop into telling his young son the stories, oh, the stories the stories of how the young family had managed to evade Herod's forces and had taken that long, difficult, hazardous sojourn to Egypt and had spent several years there. Was it then that Jesus began to fold into his understanding of fatherhood the noble concepts of courage and bravery. And as they would climb the hills around Nazareth, occasionally they would come to a place where a little stream had turned that desert-like place lush green. Was it then that Jesus began to wonder in his own mind what it would be like to have streams of living water flowing up from within. Then when they reached the summit of those hills and looked out as far as they could see, seeing caravan routes stretching out in every direction as far as the horizon, 
Was it then that Jesus began to maul in his mind an idea that later he put into words, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? Jesus grew up watching Joseph extend extraordinary love and kindness to Mary. It began from the very first moments of their relationship, and it continued on. And uh, I wonder, was it that repeated experience that Jesus had that led Jesus later on to exalt womankind to the highest level possible, a level never before known and never known since? Jesus used to speak about talents, about money and ability. He talked about how we are to use them. And I wonder, was his thinking influenced by the fact that he saw Joseph perfect his carpentry skills to virtual perfection? That he saw Joseph pour everything of which he was capable into everything that he did? And I wonder if it was Jesus' great admiration for the work of Joseph that led Jesus later on to say so beautifully, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that is how it must have been. If you ever visit the Louvre in Paris, you can see there a 17th century painting by Georges de la Tour. The painting is entitled Saint Joseph in the Carpenter Shop. In the painting, Joseph is pictured strong, sturdy, rugged, working with his hands. The only other figure in the painting is a little boy, Jesus, aged 10 or 11. And Jesus holds in his hand a candle. It provides the light for Joseph's work. And it provides the only light on the scene in the painting. Jesus is watching attentively as Joseph takes that intractable material and shapes it with his hands. It's a lovely painting. But what you may miss if you don't know to look for it is that down at the bottom of the painting, you can actually see what Joseph is building. It's hard to spot in the deep amber tones, but if you look very carefully, you can see that Joseph is building a cross. I wonder, I wonder, was it there in the carpenter's shop where Jesus was helping Joseph any way he could, where Jesus did whatever Joseph told him to do? I wonder if it was there and then that Jesus' life was marked by a profound sense of obedience. And obedience, later on, directed toward his heavenly Father. An obedience which ultimately led him to the cross. I wonder, dear friends, please don't forget that when Jesus wanted us to know what God is like, Jesus said, he is like a tender, loving, understanding father. I think he learned that from Joseph. Well, at this Christmas season, let me share with you a, a thought that I keep securely tucked away in my heart. Occasionally, I envision myself standing before God's throne of grace in the kingdom of heaven. And there before me is a large scale 
a balance. On the left side of the balance, the devil has heaped all of my sins. On the right-hand side, the angels are scrambling to find something to restore the balance. No use. Suddenly the scale tips and hits with a sickening thud on the left. And then there is a sound. A small sound. A small metallic sound. Dropped onto the right side of the scale is a nail. And then another nail. And another. And the balance tips toward righteousness. I do not know whether those nails came from a manger in Bethlehem or from a cross on Calvary. But this much I do know, the scale was tipped, and by the grace of Jesus Christ, I am saved. Dear friends, what is true for me can be true for you as well. How did Shakespeare's King Lear put it? <laughs> it is the stars, the stars above us, which govern our condition. Ah, no, King Lear, no, you are so wrong. It is not the stars, it is the star, the single star, the single shining star, the star of Christmas. That is what governs our condition and shapes our lives and determines our ultimate destiny. That star, that single shining Christmas star speaks to us of God, our God, our tender, loving, saving Heavenly Father. We learn about that Father from Jesus, and Jesus learned about that father from Joseph. Now, do you understand why I believe that Joseph ought to be seen as a star on the Christmas stage? Pray with me, please. God on high, hear my prayer. Enable us by your power and by your spirit to fill our lives both with toughness and with tenderness, so that we might live the way Joseph lived, so that we might live the way your only begotten Son called us to live in his 